When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, Generation Anthropocene listeners. Michael Osborne here. Before we get going, I just wanted to make a quick announcement. We are now on Patreon. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can find us on patreon.com slash genanthro, G-E-N-A-N-T-H-R-O. That's patreon.com slash genanthro. If you believe in what we're doing and you feel like giving us a little money, that's a way to support the show. Uh, all costs are out of pocket, so anything you can offer is most appreciated. And if you don't have anything to give, that's cool too. Okay, that's it. Let's get to it. 4.6 billion. The Earth forms. Cambrian. 542 million. Complex life explodes. Permian Triassic. 251 million. 90% of species die. Cretaceous tertiary. 65 million. Meteor kills the dinosaurs. 55 million. Primates appear. 2.3 Million. Pleistocene. 200,000. 20,000. Agricultural. 250. Industrial revolution. Great acceleration. The Anthropocene. Welcome to Generation Anthropocene. I'm Michael Osborne. Today's story is about how attitudes around climate change might be shifting. One of the longstanding problems in dealing with climate change is that it's been a really polarized topic, especially in America, kind of right, left, Democrat, Republican thing. And among the constituents in the Republican Party, evangelical voters tend to be a pretty large block. So historically, if you were evangelical, you tended to not be super supportive of climate change action. That's a generalization, but at the broad level, that was true. However, that is starting to change, and that brings us to today's story. So at this point, I want to introduce Emmy Goodwin. Emmy, hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Um, so I just want to ask before we hear from today's guest, why did you want to do this story? Like what got you interested in this topic? I'm not an evangelical Christian, but I am really curious as to why the evangelical community holds certain ideas regarding climate change that they do and has for so long. I mean, in some ways it makes sense, right? If you are devout, then you tend to look to religious leaders and your church as a place of authority, right? So it's sort of like, how did climate change denialism ever seep into the evangelical community to begin with? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I think today's guest will speak to that, amongst many other things. Well, let's get into it. Who is today's guest? Today's guest is Kyle Mayer-Scott. 
I'm the vice president of the Evangelical Environmental Network, and we exist to help Christians understand that part of following Jesus is taking care of God's world and addressing things like pollution and climate change. So, Kyle, we were looking at survey trends related to climate change attitudes, and in 2015, only 41% of evangelical Christians viewed climate change as primarily due to human activity. We compared this to in 2020, where 57% of evangelical Christians expressed broad support for Congress to take action on climate change. I'm wondering how you would best explain this change in attitudes over time. Great question. So I'll start by saying, just like any other group or community, evangelical Christians are not a monolith. There is broad diversity within the evangelical community about the the threat of climate change, about the kinds of solutions that uh, Christians should be pursuing. However, you're right to point out that the trend is certainly headed in the direction of more and more evangelicals understanding the gravity of the climate crisis, the human component, and uh, the necessity for government and all actors, business, individuals, to do what we can to address it. I think that's the result of a few factors. One is a lot has happened since 2015, including in the natural world. I think in 2015, we could still kind of fool ourselves into thinking that climate change was a a distant future problem. Uh, We didn't really have to worry about it now. You know, if the consequences were going to be born, they'd be born way down the road. And I think we could also convince ourselves that even if that's not true, even if climate change is a problem now, it's not a problem for us, meaning people who live in the United States. That has changed there have been uh, massive natural disasters and massive climate impacts that have happened year after year over the last five to seven years. We saw the massive heat dome in the Pacific Northwest. We saw the entire American West on fire multiple summers now. The Gulf Coast continues to get battered by historic storms. And even the Midwest, uh, where I live, we have extreme heat and drought as well as you know, rapid precipitation events. So climate impacts are, are just getting impossible to ignore. And I wish we, we could have gotten here without the need for you know, massive destruction and devastation and, and loss of life. It's tragic, but this is where we are. And it's just getting harder and harder to ignore. And evangelicals are understanding that just like everybody who's watching these impacts understands. So according to Kyle, reason number one evangelicals have shifted their attitudes around climate change is because its current impacts cannot be ignored. In other words, global warming is here. I think something else that might explain that, when Donald Trump was elected president and the things that Donald Trump did when he was president, particularly as it relates to the environment, I think forced a lot of people off the fence. I think there were a lot of evangelicals who just didn't think deeply about climate change one way or the other, and didn't particularly care all that strongly about voicing their opinion on, you know, addressing the climate crisis or pushing their lawmakers to to do more. Because I think if they were concerned about it, they could convince themselves that more or less the right people were in more or less the right positions doing more or less the right things. But that changed when Donald Trump kind of made it a matter of policy to eviscerate the EPA 
to repeal as many environmental regulations as he could. And I think the speed with which he went about dismantling the environmental protections that were on the books really shocked a lot of people. So they said, oh, wow, we don't have anybody watching over this and doing the right thing. Uh, we need to be the people demanding that the right thing be done. So we actually saw you know, a significant uptick in interest and an engagement in our work during those years as more and more evangelicals came to understand that these environmental protections that are in place are actually important. They honor God and protect God's creation. They protect vulnerable people. And that's important to our faith. And so now we need to stand up and make sure that those kinds of protections stay in place. So reason number two is Donald Trump inspired a lot of people to take a closer look at their political beliefs, particularly regarding climate change. And then Kyle said there's one more reason for why evangelical attitudes have shifted. The last thing I would say that I think might offer an explanation is every single year, more and more young Christians kind of age into these demographic groups, age into these survey populations, age into the voting electorate. And we know from a mountain of data that young people in particular across the board are more concerned about climate change than older folks. And that's certainly true in the evangelical community. There, there is a significant generational gap, even though you know older evangelicals are coming along too. Younger evangelicals have been there for a long time and they've been pushing because it's not philosophical, it's existential for them. It's not theoretical. I know a lot of young people who are making really tough decisions about whether or not to have any kids because they're not sure they, they wanna bring life into such a precarious world, that's really heavy stuff. Uh, and we know that, that the data bears out that even when older evangelicals are less supportive of strong environmental regulations or protections, millennial evangelicals in a, a Pew survey in 2014 were much more supportive of stronger environmental laws than our parents and our grandparents in the evangelical community were. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you mentioned how an important faith value of Christians is caring about God's creation. I'm wondering what the overlap between environmentalism and Christianity looks like. I think one of the great tragedies of our time is that for so long, Christian values and the kinds of values that drive the environmental movement have been divorced from each other. So many people have been told that you have to choose one or the other. You cannot be a Christian and be concerned about the environment. And that couldn't be further from the truth. We follow a Jesus who told us that the most important thing that we can do is to love God and to love our neighbor. That was how he summed up the entirety of the law and the prophets, all of God's commands, love God and love your neighbor. And when you think about something like the environment and climate action, creation is God's masterpiece. God created, and then he stepped back and he called it good over and over and over again. And, and the rest of scripture attests to how much God loves creation and the intimate relationship that God is in with creation and how God calls us to love and protect creation too. So part of loving God is recognizing the goodness of his works and working to protect it because we want to honor the creator. That's just part of what it means to love God better. And when we look at how the climate crisis is affecting our neighbors, particularly our vulnerable neighbors, 
how can we love them if we're not making sure that they have you know clean air to breathe and clean water to drink and and good food and can be assured of a future that isn't ravaged by you know disaster after disaster after disaster so the values that animate the christian community map on really well with the values that motivate environmental work i'm wondering if you could tell me to the best of your abilities why Christians did not see climate activism as something to support for so long, even though these values, their values are really intertwined to environmental values? That's a really important question. I think there's a lot of pieces to it. So part of it is understanding some of the history of how faith and science have interacted in the United States just over the last couple hundred years. So when Darwin published On the Origin of the Species in the 19th century, there was already a debate raging among Christianity about how to integrate scripture and the values of the faith with modern science and empiricism. Um, Darwin kind of supercharged that debate until a few decades later, it solidified in what was called the modernist fundamentalist controversy. This was a debate among Christians who said, on the one hand, we can integrate Darwin's findings and the findings of modern science with the values and the teachings of scripture. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. And the fundamentalists on the other side who said, no, this is a bridge too far. We have to take a stand. Modern science, if given too much leeway, is going to completely undermine the authority of scripture, the authority of the faith, and and we have to resist it. That raged for a long time, and it kind of came to a head in the 1920s with the Scopes Monkey Trial, where John Scopes was put on trial for teaching evolution in school in in Tennessee. Maybe you remember the movie Inherit the Wind that was all about this trial. Darwin took us forward to a hilltop from where we could look back and see the way from which we came. But for this insight and for this knowledge, we must abandon our faith in the pleasant poetry of Genesis. We must not abandon faith. That kind of strain, that suspicion of science and empiricism didn't go away. It tended to its roots, um, and it came back again in the middle of the 20th century, kind of most noticeably and publicly in Billy Graham's movement. Billy Graham revamped some of the fundamentalist philosophy, including uh, a suspicion of science. And, you know, that continued to grow and it it developed in the 80s and 90s into the moral majority movement, where you had this movement of religious leaders who were taking this philosophy and were putting it into political terms. And to, to boil it down, they essentially said, to be Christian in public is to vote for the candidate with the R behind their name, because the Republican Party was the party that they had kind of made their deal with to advance each other's ambitions for power and influence and prestige. And there were a handful of policy preferences that that coalition of conservative evangelicals and the Republican Party coalesced around. One of them was abortion. One of them was kind of traditional family roles and values. One that gets a lot less press was race and integration in private institutions, in particular private religious institutions. And another one that kind of got packaged in there was the environment and environmentalism as an ism, which is to say a system that offers answers to ultimate questions. It was seen as suspicious, as a threat to the answers that the Bible and Christianity offer to those ultimate questions. 
And so a whole generation of Christians was raised politically with this message, like Christians should not care about the environment. Environmentalism is a system of thinking that is a threat to the Christian faith and it must be resisted. And it got mashed together for for whole generations of Christians with other issues like abortion and traditional family values until it got to the point where it was really hard to separate those things. But again, when you actually approach Christians on the basis of scripture, on the basis of loving our neighbor, and, and you emphasize those values that motivate them, a lot of them are hard pressed to justify a position that says that the church shouldn't be engaged in protecting the environment or shouldn't be engaged in climate change. So is that what a lot of your work entails, communicating with evangelical Christians about climate change and how their values regarding climate activism are not that distinct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Our work is trying to help Christians understand, again, that the values that motivate them the identities that matter to them and that they cherish um, are all consistent with action on, on climate change and action to preserve and protect creation. We are trying to kind of flip that script because, you know, let's be honest, evangelicals have been at the back of the bus on this for a long time. And I'm encouraged by some of the more recent data that's coming out Um and what we're trying to do is is really accelerate that and help Christians understand that, again, exactly who they are is exactly who they need to be to care about this. They just need to be given permission and they need to see other people like them who are doing it so that they can begin to see themselves in the story of action and understand that, hey, if I step out in this way, it's not the social risk I used to think it was. It actually just means that I build deeper relationships and get closer with the community that I love and that gives me meaning. Great. So going back to my original question, asking why evangelical Christians' opinions on climate change have evolved over time, specifically in the last five to 10 years, this primarily has to do with the fact that climate change is a current threat to us all. Donald Trump's presidency And additionally, the messaging to evangelical Christians that their values are not so different from those of environmentalists and people who care about our environment, because ultimately that's intertwined into the scripture. I think that's a great recap. I think I would just add uh, a lot of people might wonder, why are evangelicals working on climate change? And, And what I often say is, you know, we do this work not because we're Democrats or Republicans. Uh, we are nonpartisan and we have people in our community who are left, right, center and everything else. We do this work because we think that Jesus tells us that the most important thing we need to do to follow him is love God and love our neighbor. And when we look at what climate change is doing to God's world and to our neighbors, we don't know what else to do in the 21st century, but try to help the church address the threats of climate change and pollution. Great. Thank you so much for coming on today, Kyle. I really appreciate it and have a great rest of your day. Thanks for having me. So I really enjoyed that conversation. What did you get out of it? I mean, were you pretty satisfied with those answers? Yeah, I think he did a great job of summarizing, in his opinion, why evangelical Christians have shifted their attitudes regarding climate change. I'm curious what the future looks like, 
particularly how they'll continue to vote in terms of climate change policy. Yeah, I mean, that's where my mind goes. I hear this story. I hear his ideas for why attitudes may have shifted. And, you know, there's a part of me, it's like, good. We need everybody on board with this climate change thing if we're going to mobilize and take action and take it seriously. I do think that the reality is we still live in a really polarized political country and that the decisions that are made in this country continue to reverberate around the world. And so I came away from it hopeful, if not still kind of frustrated. I don't know. How do you feel? Yeah. I mean, to me, it seems like opinions regarding climate change should kind of be a unanimous belief, but ultimately that's not the case. Um, But What is giving me hope is this younger generation of evangelical Christians who can kind of push forward with climate action. Yeah, I think we're going to need everybody on board. Uh, Good work on this, Emmy. Thanks again for bringing it. Great. Thanks, Michael. Thanks so much again to Emmy Goodwin and Kyle Meyard-Skop for that conversation. You can find out more about Kyle's work, Evangelical Environmental Network, at creationcare.org. And just a reminder again that if you believe in what we're doing at Generation Anthropocene and you want to support the show, we are now on Patreon, patreon.com slash genanthro. This is our only way right now of bringing in revenue to support production costs. We don't run advertisements on Generation Anthropocene, and that's a deliberate decision. If you do want to support us, then Patreon is the way to go. Thanks so much again for listening. We'll see you next time.